Topic 8, First Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 8, First Paper. Is it time for the Negro colleges in the South to be put into the hands of Negro teachers? By Professor N. B. Young. Nathan B. Young was born in New Bern, Alabama, September 18, 1862. He was educated in the private schools at Tuscaloosa, Alabama, at Talladega College, and at Oberlin College. He has taught school in Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. He is now president of the Florida State Normal and Industrial College, Tallahassee. The answer to this question depends upon what is meant by placing these schools in the hands of Negro teachers. If it means that they are to be manned and managed by them, I answer no. If, on the other hand, it means that they should have some hand in managing these schools, I answer yes. For two reasons I claim that the time has not arrived for the passing of these institutions into his sole control. The first is a financial reason. The second is an intellectual or cultural reason. At present, the majority of the Negro colleges and institutions of higher and professional learning are supported by white people, either directly or indirectly, and the withdrawal of white faculties and boards of trustees will mean a withdrawal of white supporters. Whether this withdrawal will be logical or ethical, it will nevertheless be a fact. Those whose duty it is to collect funds for these schools can testify to the certainty of such a result if the experiment should be made. The white man is a very careful giver to charitable institutions of any kind, and he takes every precaution to see that his donations are wisely expended, and that, too, according to his standards. Hence, when he makes a charitable contribution, he feels safer when one of his own race is a trustee or dispenser of the contribution. This explains the fact that in cases where Negro schools under Negro management make an appeal for large endowment funds, they find it necessary to appoint a white endowment committee to manage the fund. The Negro has no standing in the financial world, because he has made no financial record. This is not so much his fault as it is his misfortune. He is without the financial experience that he would need in order to manage successfully large sums of money, such as he would be called upon to collect and to manage in colleges. Without aid from the white donors, these colleges would be unable to do the work of a college. In other words, with possibly one notable exception, 
it takes a white man to get a white man's money and since it is necessary to get a white man's money to support these institutions it is also necessary to put their management into his hands this condition will gradually change as the negro race accumulates wealth within itself this will naturally bring with it that experience which will eventually enable him to be a successful manager of these institutions it is generally known among those who are familiar with college management that the financial feature is the most difficult feature in this work it requires a rare combination of qualities in a man to carry on successfully this phase of college work the managing boards of white colleges find it exceedingly difficult to find white men fully equal to the task if this takes place in the green tree what may we expect in a dry at present the negro race to say the least is too poor to take on itself the complete control of its colleges such a transfer would be a calamity indeed for under the white management these institutions are leading only a tolerable existence are progressing but slowly and some of them not at all to take these feeble institutions then and to connect them with a poorer source of supply would be practically to destroy them certainly seriously to handicap them besides even if their financial support were guaranteed at present a more serious obstacle would present itself it would be impossible from the present supply of educated negro men and women to get faculties for them i mean to get faculties every whit prepared for their progressive management an up-to-date college must have not only strong financial backing but it must also have strong intellectual and moral backing each teacher should be so trained intellectually and morally as to have a very keen appreciation of the deep significance of the work in which he is engaged this means that he must in addition to a careful formal training have a sort of intellectual and culture background to cause him to stand out in clear relief before his students as an embodiment of what he would have them become he should in very truth be a scholar and a gentleman the fact that a man or a woman is a graduate from some of these misnamed southern universities or brevet colleges does not argue that he has a liberal education the fact is that there are no negro universities in this country and less than half a dozen bona fide colleges these reputed universities and colleges are but indifferent high schools for the most part and their graduates without additional study are not prepared to take a place on a college faculty strange to say very few of these graduates feel the necessity of doing additional study before becoming anxious candidates for presidents of colleges 
or for professorships. I stand by the statement that there are not enough really educated men fully equipped to manage the colleges such as we have, not to say anything of those that we ought to have. The race is not yet far enough removed from slavery to have that intellectual and moral background necessary to the bringing out of college professors and college presidents. It has taken the white man many generations to develop an Elliot, a Dwight, a Hadley, and an Angel, not to say anything about the Butlers, the Harrises, and the Wheelers. These men are developments, the very cream of the intellectual history of the Anglo-Saxon race in America. As I have indicated elsewhere, the trustees find it hard to fill their places when vacant. The incipient Negro teacher and educator might as well admit the fact of their incompetency and with the admission bend themselves with renewed energy to hard study, laying aside all bogus degrees and meaningless titles, and acknowledge the fact that they are yet intellectual pygmies. If they will do this, perchance they themselves may not only add to their own statures, but they may also become the ancestors of intellectual giants, fully competent to occupy the positions which they fain would hold in the educational world. Although the time has not yet come, as I believe, for the entire management of Negro colleges by Negroes, yet the time has come when he should have some hand in managing both as teacher and as trustee. It would be a sad commentary upon the Negro race and upon its white teachers to have these schools remain permanently under white tutelage and management. It would also be a sad commentary upon the Negro to have an alien race to continue giving its money to educate his children. He must be brought gradually to see the necessity of his supporting and managing his own institutions of learning. The only way to do this is to gradually place the managing of them upon his shoulders. Every Negro college ought to have one or more Negro trustees on the board, as well as one or more Negro teachers on the faculty. The only way to learn how to swim is to go into the water. The only way for the Negro to learn how to manage his institutions is for him to have a hand in managing them. Of the large number of Negro youth that are graduated every year from our colleges, there are not a few among them who have in them the making of fine professors if they were stimulated by the sure hope of securing a place on the faculty of their alma mater. It is the imperative's duty of the faculties of these schools to inspire these men to their best efforts, and when they have done so, it is the duty of the trustees to give them a place on the faculty. I would not, however, make vacancies for them by moving efficient white teachers, but, 
when these white teachers fall out because of age or other reasons, I would appoint in their places competent Negro men. This policy would at once keep the support of the white donors and also the support of the Negro patrons. The Negro must have a larger hand in managing his institutions of learning even from the lowest to the highest. I answer then that the time has not yet come for the complete transfer of Negro colleges to Negro management because the Negro is not yet able to assume the financial control of these institutions nor the intellectual control but he is able to have a larger hand in controlling them as donor, as trustee, and as teacher. This policy is being pursued by some of the educational agencies now at work in the South. The efforts of the Negro churches, especially of the AME Zion Church, the AME Church, of the CME Church, and a wing of the Baptist Church, are to be commended in so far as they do not assume a hostile attitude toward other agencies which pursue a slightly different policy. There cannot be too much educational activity among Negroes for Negroes, and there certainly should be no antagonism among these agencies growing out of differences of opinion as to policies and methods of work. They should all make a long pull, a strong pull, and a pull all together for the educational, moral, and spiritual uplift of the masses of the Negro people. End of Topic 8, First Paper